Y'all ready today or is it just me that's ready? Let's go ahead and stand real quick. Find somebody that you don't know and shake their hand real quick. Get to know their first name. And now that you know everybody, Last week I took a vacation, Deborah and I went to Bend, and I actually played basketball. At my age, I played basketball with my, with my shaking, and, and I won. I beat my wife playing basketball, one-on-one. <laughs> -on -one. But anyway, let's, let's go ahead and pray while we're, while we're coming in. Father, we love you. We're here because of you. We're here for you. We're here because of who you are to us and what you mean to this community. You are the hope of this world. And Lord, we just pray that you are glorified and honored by our worship today, by our work, by our service, by our sacrifice. We just pray, Lord God, that you look down at New Life Church, this uh, ragtag bunch of Christians, and you just are pleased with our hearts and the love that we share towards each other and the love that we share towards you. We love you so, in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's worship.
and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. Shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place We won't be quiet We'll shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today We won't be quiet We'll shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord My God is surely in Without it, I'm not living. 
something a little bit different in this moment. Um, there's a change that's happened in America that is cultural, that has crept into the church. Volunteerism and giving is predicated on value, not on obedience to the word of God. We should be different than the world. We should have an abundance of volunteers and we should have an abundance of offering because we're God's people. We trust God. We believe in God. We don't do it because of what value we see. We see it because God has asked us to serve and to sacrifice and to wash people's feet. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16 says something, if I can read it with my old eyes and I can't get my light to work. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We should do what we do because we want to please God. It shouldn't be about pleasing ourselves or making ourselves happy or giving things to ourselves. 
It shouldn't be predicated on what we get out of what we do. It should be predicated on the fact that we want to please God. So when it comes to your tithes and your offerings, when it comes to your service, it ought to, we ought to be different than the world and say, we're doing this because we want to please God. We want to make God happy. We want to put a smile on his face and bring him joy. Let's pray about that today, can we? Father, I don't know the heart of everyone in the room. But I know sometimes we can think that we need to have a, a value, a, a benefit to ourselves to obey your word. And if we don't see the value, if we don't see the benefit, we're not going to do it. Or we're going to at least question whether we should be doing it or not. Instead of just saying, I want to please God. Let us be a people that wants to please God. Let us be a people that wants to give our lives to make you happy. To give to those who have need our time, our talents, and our treasures, that you might be pleased with all that we do. Father, I'm not going to beg your people to love God and love others. But I'm not going to be afraid to call them out when they're not. We should be a different people, Father. I know that. I should be a different person than what the culture is. Help us, Father, to be the kind of people that please you. We love you so. We love you so. We, we do love you so. Don't we, church? Amen. In Jesus we pray, pray and all God's people said. Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, you tie, tie his offerings. What's the mailbox, giving box, church center?
kids at this time. We're going to keep the teenagers with us this Sunday just because of what I'm speaking on, which I'm sure made them very happy. And y'all may be seated. 
You would think after 25 years I could take a week off and not come back and feel like I'm starting rough. So give me a, a little grace today if you can. I'm sure you can. How are you, by the way? Good? Are we good? Are we still saved? Are we living like it? Just making sure. Just make, you know, sometimes you got to check when you're gone for a week. I can't find my page. Here we go. We have this sermon today and then one more next week. And we will finally, I promise you, we will be done with judges. But um, I want to open this sermon with a warning. And that is, if you're not careful, Satan will manipulate this to benefit false teachers. So be careful how you receive what I'm saying today, because it's a little different than what I spoke on this subject. I'm not trying to come up with new things. I just know that um, knowledge comes, and then you gain wisdom with that knowledge, and it makes more sense. And so I think after all the years I've been doing this, I've gained some wisdom about some subjects and this is a subject that I've been afraid to bring to you because I'm not sure how you're going to take it. Um, so I'm going to speak it through the teenagers to get to the adults. So um, let's listen up. And let's, I need to pray. Don't you just have those days where you just need God? Like, you know, if God does not show up and help you, you're just not going to make it. You're just going to quit. You're just going to walk away. You're just going to give up. You're going to fall into sin because you're, you're, you're just needing him. So I'm going to do something that I probably shouldn't do. I'm going to get down on my knees and pray. So pray that I get back up when I go down. I did play basketball, but that was on, on my feet. So I wasn't, anyway, hold on, sorry. Let's, let's pray. In fact, you can join me if you'd like. This is not a game to me, God. This is just not something that I do because I've got nothing better to do with my life or my time. This is not a job to me. This is not a career. This is my life. I am fully aware of my imperfections and my weaknesses and how much I need you for strength and for guidance. I know my value is not in anything that I do or have done, but is in wholly in you and everything that you've done for me and through your son, Jesus Christ. Let this word today not be twisted by those who want to take advantage of a truth that will benefit them, not the kingdom. Let your people be aware of the truth that might not be something that they've learned before and to, to meditate on it and to pray about it and to, to soak it in and speak to them, Father. We need you to speak to them today. We need your spirit to move through our hearts. We need your spirit to speak to us clearly 
And Father, more than anything, for me at this stage in my life, I am passionately pursuing the the future of teenagers in this kingdom work. I believe that the teenage generation right now is the future of, of, of the church. And they're going to have the most difficult time of ministry that, that this world has ever seen. And they're going to need us to help them and to encourage them and to support them and to teach them. And they're going to have to make some choices today, some decisions that they're going to need your help with. Let this make sense to them. Let it set the course in their life for the kingdom work that they have set before them. We love you, Jesus. We need you. We need you. Holy Spirit, if there's ever been a time that we've needed you, now is the time. Today is the day. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Okay, now it's got to get up time. Yeah, some of you pop right up. Yeah, that's really nice. Every teenager needs to understand that there are some critical decisions they're about to make very soon. And the next 10 years, which may seem like forever to them, is not very long for somebody at my age. 10 years is just a a skip in the water. But for them, there's some critical decisions. They need to decide whether they're going to college or no college. And that will set the course of their future. They need to decide whether they're going to get married or not get married. That will set the course of their future. They need to decide whether they're going to have children or not have children. That will set the course of their future. They need to decide whether they're going to move out or stay home. I mentioned that last. Because that's the last thing that they're going to do that's going to be hard for them is decide, do I move out? Do I try to make it on my own? But whether they see it or not, more significant decisions are about to be made. Who will their God be? If you're 15, 16, 17, 18, at some point in time, you're going to have to choose who your God's going to be. And it can't be the God of your parents. It's going to have to be your God. Who or what will rule their lives? You may not think there's things out there that will rule your lives, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of alcoholics and addicts right now that will tell you that addiction has ruined their lives because it ruled their lives. And they didn't see it coming because nobody told them that it was coming. They're going to have to make a decision on who will fight beside them in this thing called life. Who's going to be their spouse? And fight alongside them, not fight with them. Amen? They're going to need to find that person they're going to do life with very intimately and very personally. What kind of friends are they going to choose? I know you think that you're going to have the same high school friends you had in your future. Very rarely does that happen. Because with all the other decisions the other people make, college, no college, marriage, no marriage, children, no children, move out or stay home, the world changes. And you might not have the same friends in 10 years that you had today, which might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. I don't know. Who's going to fight beside you in this thing called life in your church? What, who's, what church are you going to choose and how are you going to choose it? Is it going to be based on what your parents have taught you or what? You, you, you just decide because it's the most fun church or the most exciting church? Because the truth of the matter is most of us as adults can't find the, the church we're looking for the right way because we're not taught. 
Who are we going to find? I sat in church most of my life and nobody told me that there were these big decisions to be made. I knew the college and the marriage and the children and the move out or stay home. I knew that was going to happen. I didn't think about these other ones happening. Because my God was the God of the Bible in theory, but in truth my God was the God of man. It was my father's God. It wasn't until I was 25, 26 before I decided who God was for me. It wasn't until I was 27 that I found a church that was for me. It wasn't until 40 that I actually found friends that were for me. So you got a lot of time. But beyond that, alcohol ruled over me. Alcohol was my king. It was a God who never gave me true peace, only gave me more problems. But I didn't see it coming because all they said was it was wrong. They didn't really explain to me why. If you were to study your Bible, you're going to find that the Bible makes a promise to pe- God makes a promise in his Bible to the people, his people. That he would give them the best possible life if they would just follow his ways. It wouldn't be a perfect life. It wouldn't be an easy life. But the best possible life for a teenager is to follow God. He didn't say it would be easy, but believing in God would be the best chance for you to have the best life. Now, those of you that are older would say, yeah, that's true. But when you were 15, 16, and 17, you weren't thinking that at all. You were thinking about things you shouldn't have been thinking about. And now you're thinking about them now that I mentioned that you're thinking about the things that you're thinking about. So stop thinking about it because it's just going to take you down the wrong path. Israel chose God to be the God of salvation, but not the God of their sustenance or their safety. That's the whole story we've been going through with with judges in the last, seems like forever. Many of us have done the same. In fact, most of American Christianity has done that. That's what American Christianity is built on. It's built on choosing the God, God to be the God of salvation, but when it comes to sustenance and safety, we rely on everything else. We rely on lots of false gods. We rely on lots of bales. We rely on our jobs. We rely on our career. We, are, we rely on the government. We rely on the government. Just wanted to see who'd respond to that. Because you're going to get mad at me here in a little bit. God is our Savior, but we look to other gods for sustenance and safety. And the principle, this principle that I'm talking about today is made clear, at least to me, in Judges chapter 8. And I'm just going to read it, and then I'll explain it, and then we'll get into it. You ready? I've been six months getting this ready for today. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also. For you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Now, those of you that have been following along, you know that it wasn't Gideon that saved them from the hand of Midian. It was God using Gideon or through Gideon that saved them from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you. My son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Let me say that one more time. Gideon said, I will not rule over you. My son will not rule over you. The Lord will will rule over you. They wanted a king to be a man, not God. 
Israel believed in God but didn't want God to rule over them. The whole story in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8 happened because Israel worshipped the God of salvation, Yahweh, but worshipped the God of provision and, and protection in Baal. The very thing that we're having trouble with in American Christianity today is the very thing that was happening in this moment in time. I believe God brought this series of messages to wake us up to what's happening in our own lives right now. I don't believe it's just a, a series of messages God gave us so we can learn some more about the scriptures. I believe he's trying to get us to apply it to this moment in time right at this, right at this second. And God had to chasten the nation of Israel by sending an enemy to fight against them. And once the victory was over and the enemy was done, Israel still wanted a king. They didn't want God. They still wanted a king. They wanted somebody to provide for them and protect them, and they didn't want God to do that. And if you read on in the Old Testament, you'll find a moment where God gave them what they wanted. 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 6. So the Israel, Israel asked for a king, and the, the Bible says this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking and serving other gods. This is talking about salvation and then the way that you've lived your life in salvation. Forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. Now then obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Let me just, if you're a teenager, I want you to know this. God will give you what you want. He'll give you the life you choose. But it won't be the life that you desire. He will let you choose whatever king you want. You can have whatever king you want to be king over you. And it'll rule over you. And you can have that if you want. But you won't like that king. You won't like that life. See, whenever you choose a king over God, there's a cost. And Gideon goes on in the next eight verses, which I'm not going to read. I'm just going to summarize them and to, to explain that. And what he says about a king is a king will take your family and use them for himself. They will, that, your family will fight battles for the king. They'll become servants of the king. The king will take all your money, and the king will take the best years of your life. Nobody ever told me that if I didn't choose God and chose a king, chose man, chose myself, chose a life in the world, that it would take the best years of my life. And one day you're going to cry out to God for help, the scripture says, but because of your choices, God will not answer. You choose a king over God, and you're going to one day wake up and say, I hate this life. My life sucks. And you'll call upon God and you'll wonder why he's not answering. Have you ever prayed that prayer? And you've wondered why God's not answering? It's because you chose a king over God when you had the opportunity to choose God over a king. See, the decisions you make right now will dictate the future you live. I'm going to say that one more time. The decisions that you make about God will dictate the future that you live. I was told that alcohol was bad, that it was wrong. I was told that God was good, that he was, in right, but he was right, but nobody told me it would take the best part of my life. Nobody told me that alcohol would take the best part of my life. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. I don't remember much of those years. The only thing I remember is meeting my wife, which was the grace of God, 
Other than that, I have very little memory of those years. The best years of my life. When you are 15, it's the best years of your life. You don't have to have a job. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to work hard. You just have to go to school and do the work that they teach. They teach you what to write in your tests. You don't have to figure it out like the rest of life, right? You just got to go to school. Your mom and dad probably buy you a car if they're a good mom and dad. And they probably put gas in it if they're a better mom and dad. And they pay for your insurance if they're an awesome mom and dad. Amen? Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong on that. I was trying to take the teenager side. 17, 18. I know you think at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, you think that you've got all this weight on you and all this responsibility on you. It's nothing like what happens when you're 50 and you've ruined your life. When instead of getting married, you're getting divorced. When instead of having money, you're broke. Because you chose a king over God. And you call upon God and you wonder why he doesn't show up. And he's saying, I, I tried to make you choose me, but you refused me. Nobody told me that if I choose a king to rule over me and not God, that it would take the best years of my life. How many of you adults would say that's true? That the best years of your life were wasted because you were worshiping a king and not God. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 19 says, But today you've rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you've said to him, set a king over us. Today you've rejected your God who saves you from all of your calamities and distresses. Let me tell you something. If you're a teenager, you will have calamities and distresses in your life. I don't care how perfect everything seems right now. There will come a point in time where you will have calamities and distresses. We just live in a world of calamity. Say, what's calamity? Google it. Not right now. Because you said, set a king over us. First Samuel 12, 11 says, and the Lord sent Jerubbabel. But by the way, Jerubbabel is the name of Gideon. So it brings it back to the story that we've been reading, the, the passage we've been reading in Judges chapter 8. He says, the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Barak, and Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. And when you saw Nahash, the king of the Amorites, come to you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord God was your king. When God was your king, you chose man to be your king. And now behold, the king whom you have chosen, and for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. God says, I'll give you what you want. If you want to worship a king, if you want to worship man, if you want to worship those things, he'll let you do it. It's your choice. God wanted to be their king. He wanted to be the God of their salvation. He wanted to be the God of their provision. He wanted to be the God of their protection. But they chose a king. They wanted another king to rule over them. Despite doing miraculous things like destroying an army of 120,000. I still don't think people can get that in their mind. He destroyed an army of 120,000 with 300 men. Destroyed an army of 120,000 with 300 men. Could you imagine paying off a $120,000 bill with 300 bucks? Does that help? 
Those of you in debt understand what I'm saying. Man, if 300 bucks would cover it, I'd find that 300 bucks. I'd turn in pot bottles for that. See you on the side of the road picking them up just to pay that $120,000 debt off. But they still wanted Gideon to be their king. God will let you worship what you want. But give you what you want when you worship it. Now Gideon said something that I think is powerful to me. He said, I'll be your Gideon. But I won't be your God. I'll be your Gideon, but I won't be your God. I'll never be your God. Ever will I be your God. And you may wonder how to apply this to your life because you think you're choosing a man over God, but you're not choosing a man over God. You don't even know if you're doing it. But without knowing it, we are in American Christianity today. And I, I just picked three out of several that I could have chosen. Three that I think are important to the culture, especially in Christian culture. Christians are making pastors their king. They still believe in God and salvation, but they look to men for provision and protection. I've been paying attention to what's been happening in the Christian world, and so much is made of pastors who we lift up and we elevate because they're on a platform or they're in a big platform or they have great podcasts and we lift them up. They're this awesome man of God. You don't even know who they are, but you lift them up and you make them a king. And whatever they say, you're like, oh, man, so-and-so said this. I'm going to follow that word. And then they fall in sin and you diss on them. I'm sick and tired of listening to you tell me about pastors you don't even know and the sin that they've fallen in and you have no idea anything about them. But they're on a platform that you put them on. You made them a king and then they fell and then you fall away from church because, amen? Because you made them, but you made them a king. Okay, that's fun. You make a pastor's value predicated on the size and shape of his church, not on holiness. And you make them a king because, and I've told several pastors in this community that Astoria, Oregon, or Clatsop County at least, is one charismatic speaker away from a megachurch. Because all you got to do is get the most popular guy in town and every Christian in town will leave their church to find the most popular church in town. Because you elevate a pastor up to that position of king. And if he falls, then you stay home and don't go to church anymore because he wasn't the man that I thought he was. We're still men. Read the story of the Apostle Paul, how messed up he was. Most churches in this area, most Christians would not go to Paul's church. Because he's mean and he's hard and he's harsh. And he shakes a lot a joke he had some issue I I don't know what his issue was but you make pastors a king and then when they fail you you blame them for you lifting them up and elevating them to the place of king when God says I want to be your king men make men their king they still believe in God for salvation but they look to themselves for provision and protection How many men in this room know that the only way they're going to feed their family is if they feed their family? They're not going to trust God for that. They're going to trust themselves. 
You make yourself a king. My home is my castle. Your home is your castle. Amen? And we start making ourselves king in our castle. I'm the king, bless God. Everybody must serve me. And see how long that lasts. You make kids, as far as men making men their king, you make kids your life. You don't dictate what happens in your home. Your kids dictate what happens in your home. They rule over you. And you let them be king in your house. You will choose spiritual activities based upon whether your kids want to attend or not. Or whether there's another option that might be more important to the kids. You'll go do what the kids want to do. You don't lead your kids anymore because your kids rule you. You don't rule your kids. Amen. That was fun. I'm glad you came to church today. Just for that, I was glad you came to church today. So you make yourself a king and you make your kids a king. Women make men their kings. I'm going to ruin a whole bunch of marriages today. Not on purpose. You still believe in God for salvation, but you look for a remarkable man who will provide for you and protect you. You don't look to God for that. If I could just find that one man. So you're a teenage girl, and you think, if I could just find that one boy that loves me for me, and it makes me feel safe. And there's single women in the room that if they, they, they think in their heart, if I could just find that one man, if I could just find that guy who would love me. And I know that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against that. I'm just saying the danger is you're choosing that man over God. You're not, you're not realizing that as a, as a young woman, you have God as your savior, but also God as your sustainer. You have God to keep you safe. But you don't want God to be your king. You want that man to be your king. And God will let you choose these things to rule over you, but it will cost you. Human kings will use you. Human kings will use you. How many of you have ever felt used by a pastor? I'm just being blatantly honest. But you made them a king. How many of you made... Human kings will require you to please them. Men want you to please them. But have you ever noticed it's really hard to please men? Human kings will waste your life. You'll look back at some point in time and say, wow, why did I follow that man who led me nowhere near to God? 7 years of the best part of my life was lost because I chose me to be a king over God. Lost years of my life because I made a king out of things that were not God. So when the people asked Israel of Israel asked Gideon to be their king, Gideon again said, "I'll be your Gideon, but I won't be your God." I'll be your Gideon, but I won't be your God. And I thought about that. What should we be looking for in a Gideon? Somebody who will fight for you. And I'll just take the pastoral angle, but you could apply this to, to yourself, or you could apply it to, to looking for a, a husband, a man. But as a pastor, I'll beat wheat in a wine press to provide for those who are starving. I'll do whatever it takes to provide for my family and for my friends and for my church. I'll do whatever it takes. 
I'll be a man of God with the word of God to tell the people about God about God. I will lead people to God, not to myself. I'll wrestle with God about my doubts so I can see myself the way God sees me. He sees me as a mighty man of valor. I'll make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, my one true King, and prove it by offering my life to His service, not to yours. But in the process, you'll get the benefit of my service to Him. I'll pray for faith by pulling out the fleece to double-check my doubts, because sometimes I have doubts about God. And sometimes I have to double-check them, because I want to make sure that when I take steps of faith that I'm trusting God, not what man says. I'll obey God even when it seems stupid. That's the one thing that's good about me. I will obey the word of God even when it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that's dumb. Yes. I'll tell the fearful and the prideful not to serve because you're more of a pain than a promise. As a pastor, I have no problem anymore telling the fearful and the prideful, just stay home. Because you're more of a pain than a promise. That's not how you build a church. I'm not trying to build my church. I'm trying to help him build his. I'll take the 300 who's left to fight the 120,000. I won't be afraid to get close to my enemies so that I know what God's doing, if you remember that story. I'll battle for you with nothing but the word of God, the spirit of God, and a loud shout of praise to God. A lamp, a light, and a loud shout. I'll fight the fight of faith until I'm so faint, yet I'll keep on pursuing, even though I can't go any farther. I'll even fight you if you don't help when the 300 get weary. Welcome to new life. I'll rise up and kill when you're too young or, we- when you're too young or too weak, but I will never, ever, 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 ever be your king. I will never, ever want to be your king. I am not her king. She's got a king. His name is Jesus. He's the ruler of everything. See, this is why we're in trouble as a country of Christians. We made people our kings. Whether it's in the church with preachers or it's in the capital with politics. Some of you actually think there's humans that are going to run for president. They're going to save America. There's only one who's going to save America. His name is Jesus Christ. And you need to stop promoting all that other garbage and start promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ because he has the good news. Or whether it's in the comfort of our home where we, where we make people our kings with spouses or parents. Some of you will obey your parents more than you'll obey God. You, if you obey God, you're obeying your parents. All it takes to destroy your faith, and I'm going to tell you, the teenagers, all it's going to take for you to destroy your faith is for a pastor to fail you. That's all it's going to take. If, a king, if your king fails you, you'll just give up. And I'm tired of the church getting a bad rap because you choose to make preachers kings. It's not the church's fault. You make them kings. I'm tired of the church getting a bad rep because everybody thinks that politicians are kings. And, and there are people in this world. I've actually had people in the world tell me, I don't come to church because I know there's a whole bunch of men and women wearing mega hats. Wow, we didn't respond very well to that, did we? 
But that's what they think. They think that's all we're going to do is come in here and we're going to promote our political agenda. We've got one agenda. It's the good news of Jesus Christ and him alone. I'll be your Gideon, but I'll never be your king. I'm tired of the church getting a bad rap because you choose to look for husbands and, and, and fathers and make them kings instead of trusting in God himself. See, as you complain to the lost and dying world about how a pastor failed you, they just, have, they just give up on church and give up on God because all you do is complain about Christianity because you make people kings that God never intended to be kings. God's your king. And you share your concerns about our country without sharing the good news. It just floors me. The Christians are known for their politics, not the promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. And you tell everyone about how messed up your marriage is to people who need to know that there's hope in Jesus Christ. And they can say, well, if your God won't save your marriage, how is he going to save mine? Because you just complain about a king that you, a man that you made a king and he failed you. Why would you want a king when God offers you the king? Why would you want a king when God offers you the king? John chapter 18, verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. He's speaking to Jesus. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now this only makes sense if you read 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 13, which Paul said to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made a good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, and whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion, Amen. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Why would you choose a man to be a king when you've got a king in Jesus Christ? Revelation 17, 14 says, They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. To those who are to Him with Him are called and chosen and faithful. God offers you a king. His name is Jesus. He is the ruler of of everything. What is that song, Deborah? Ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Matthew chapter 28 says um, something really cool. I should be able to quote it. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Oh, and it starts, that's what I was getting to, is actually all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, Jesus said. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Why would you go for with the power of a man when you can have the power of God as, as, as your king and as your God? 
Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God hath exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. God has exalted him. He is the king. Why would you choose a preacher or a politician or a parent when you can choose the king of kings and lord of lords? The most important decision you will ever make is who you choose to be your God. It will dictate your future. One day you'll need to choose. And you can spend your life worshiping a minister who will never be able to save you. A man who can't save you. Children who will one day leave you, hopefully. That's biblical, by the way. And a spouse who's not built to save you. Or you can choose Jesus. Listen, let me be obvious. I'll be Gideon to my wife. I'll fight for her. I'll help her. I'll encourage her. I'll do whatever I can for her. I'll be Gideon to her. I'll be getting to my kids. I'll be getting to my granddaughter. I'll be getting to my church. But I'll never, ever, 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 ever be your king. Honor your preacher. Never worship him. There's a difference between honor and making him a king. Honor the men around you, honor your children. Honor your spouse, the husband, father. Never worship them. Every teenager in this room, you need to honestly choose Jesus. And I got one final warning and then we'll be done. Because this can be taken a lot of wrong ways. Because I have a feeling that... No, I won't say that. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 1 through 7 says, But understand this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Now let me stop and let the teenagers understand that. When I was a teenager, this wasn't true. This was true, but it wasn't happening at this time. You are being raised in this moment right now. I used to preach this saying, it's going to come, it's going to come, it's going to come, it's here. This is the generation that you are living in right now. We are in the last days. Jesus is coming soon. Soon. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. Selfies. You have a page dedicated to you called Facebook. You have a talk that ticks with your image on it all the time. It's all about you. We live in a world where everything's about you. Amen. Lovers of money. We love money. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel safe, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you feel protected, provided for? If I have money, then I feel safe. Forbid it if I actually have to tithe. 
Because I love money too much to trust God with what his word says. Proud. You know what I thought about pride? I want to know how I see it today. Everyone's got an opinion and you think your opinion is the right opinion because you're so proud. And you're even unappeasable. Like I can actually prove to you that, that, that you're wrong and you're not going to be saying, oh no, I'll humble myself. I'm, I was wrong. You'll, you'll fight it to the death. You go home and Google something else to hear what somebody else says about what I just said to prove that you were right because you're so proud that you can't be wrong. There's so much pride. You, you're, don't say it, Andy. No. That's not preaching. That's just getting into people's business. The next word is arrogant. Arrogant. There's so much arrogance today. The world is full of arrogance. And we could go back to the opinion. Y'all got an opinion about everything. It's like, shut up. It's none of your business. But you're so arrogant, you think that your business is everybody's business. It's not your business. Abusive. People are so abusive to each other today. You say things, my mama would have slapped me for some of the things y'all say to each other. You say, that's abusive. No, that was corrective. Because I'd never do it again if mama slapped me. Don't slap your kids. Got to say that. You can't, can't do that or you go to jail today. Disobedient to their parents. I've never seen a time in life where children are so disobedient to their parents. You guys, I've never heard so many lies from teenagers said to their parents. Your parents tell you, don't use your cell phone after nine and you're on your cell phone at midnight. Y'all are kind of doing this now. Ungrateful. Unholy. How many people do you know that are actually holy? I mean, how many people do you actually know are living a holy life? They're actually living according to, to, the, to the scriptures from a standard of, of obeying God's word in every aspect of their life. So few people that are holy anymore. There's a lot of people who think they're holy. Heartless. Heartless. There's no compassion. What happened to compassion in our day? Unappeasable. Like, I, I go back to your opinions. Like, th there are people that are having attitudes that I'm, no matter what I say or how I try to help them, they're unappeasable. You can't help them. They, they, they just want to be the way they are. You want to be a jerk? Be a jerk. Because it's okay, because that's your truth, I guess, that you're a jerk. Okay, that was not funny. Slanderous. This generation loves to hear negative things about people and spread it. You love that. And, and even Christians, even in the church, you hear something and you've got to say this, well, yeah, so-and-so this or so-and-so that. It's like, shut up. I want to say that a lot. Without self-control. Brutal. People are brutal to each other today. Husbands who say they love their wives are brutal in the things that they say to them. Well, I'm just being honest. 
No, you're being brutal. I hear women say it all the time. Well, I'm just saying the truth. You know, you're just being a... <laughs> brutal. You guys are evil. <laughs> Not loving good. We don't love good anymore. Anything that's good and wholesome is now looked on as negative or boring. Treacherous. Reckless. Swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Avoid such people. We're living in that day today. This is the world that the teenagers of our, of our day are living in. And they have a decision they're going to have to make and it's going to decide their future in this kind of a culture. They can choose all God or some God. You can choose all God like he's going to be your, your, your king and your God. He's going to save you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. Or you can choose the world to do those things. You can choose all God or some God. Now I'm going to... Re My wife's going to rebuke me for saying this. So just so you know, I'm going to have to take her out to lunch afterwards to, <laughs> to pay for what I'm about to say. This comes from something that I witnessed recently that I've heard lots of Christians say you need to watch. Because that's the other thing that I'm seeing. There's a lot of media stuff going around that just disses on church and disses on Christianity. And y'all are saying, you need to watch this, you need to watch this. I think you need to shut up. Because none of it's going to glorify God. None of it's choosing God. It's all glorifying the negative aspects of Christianity. And you want people, you're trying to share this with other Christians and you're just trying to give room for your complaints. Because your king is not the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Your king is man. And so if you want to tear down the king, it's easy to do. I've never tried to hide my weaknesses as a pastor. I've never tried to portray myself as being something that I'm not. If you know me, you can testify that I've been truthful on my, of myself. I will tell the truth of myself, even the negative stuff, before you will be able to tell because that's part of my wound, lie, and false self. That was a couple weeks ago you had to be here. If you weren't here, you missed out. As a pastor, I have no desire for organizational skills and I care nothing for the business aspect of the church. I couldn't care less. How much money is in the bank? I care whether you trust God with your money. I care that you obey God. If you know me, my heart often gets in the way of decisions that I make. There's things that they can't have me do because my heart will get in the way. They can't have me do benevolence because if I do benevolence, I'll just give you everything. I'll give you the building and walk away and we'll, just, we'll meet in a truck because I don't care. I couldn't care less. 
I don't want you to follow me. I've never said that. I appreciate honor because I think it's biblical, but I never want your praise. I'll be your Gideon, but I'll never be your king. Deborah and I would never expect a church member to clean my house, nor has anyone ever cared for our kids but ourselves. I say that because there's some modern pastors that they're having things happening in their homes because they're lifted up as king. We've had friends who as pastors have had people from the church clean their house. My wife's perfectly able to clean her own house. I'm perfectly capable of cleaning my own mess up. I do not need you in my mess. I've been in love with one woman and one woman alone for over 40 years, and I've been married 39 this August. And I'll never welcome you to the gun show. <laughs> but I'm seeing that with all, a lot of young preachers, and you're elevating them up to the wrong place. You're making them a king. I'll be your Gideon. Teenagers, I'll be your Gideon, but I'll never be your God. The most important decision you will make in life will be that one. Who is your God going to be? The God of salvation, sustenance, or safety? Or will you ask for a human to be a king? Your future depends on who you choose today. Let's pray. Let's stand. Father, my fear, maybe it's my flesh, is that this will open up the door for wolves to take advantage of weak-minded Christians. And that there will be people who will try to become king because I won't. But there is no human on earth that can be the same king as Jesus Christ. He is not only my savior, he's my sustainer, he's my security. He's the God that I chose and I wish I would have chosen him at 15 years old and been serious about it. I wish I would have refused to let alcohol rule my life, to let my flesh control me, to let my selfish desires dictate my future. I could have lived a different life. I could have lived a better life. I could have lived life without losing so many years and you're trying to save especially the younger generation, right at this moment from wasting their life. The best life we have, Father, is in you. We just got to make you our king. And there's people in this room, Lord, that they followed the wrong path. And they're ready to repent. And make you their king. They're ready to repent and make you their God.
not just of salvation, but of sustenance, of safety. You are the God of everything. I love that song, Father. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. I want him to be the ruler of every aspect of my life. Encourage our hearts to make a decision for you today. That today's the day to stop wasting our lives with kings that can't save us, can't make us safe, and can't support us or sustain us. Let today be the day that we make you the King of kings and Lord of lords in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, this altar is open for anyone who wants to make Jesus their King. Not just of salvation, but of sustenance and safety. That He's the King. He's the ruler of everything in your life. Altar's open. Maybe we need to come and repent of making man our king. Maybe we need to repent of making humanity something that God never intended them to be. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Honor your pastors. Honor yourselves. Honor your children. Honor your spouse. Don't make them king. Because there's only one king that can sustain you and make you feel safe and save you from your sins. His name is Jesus, a name above every name. Teenagers, you can delay this choice all you want, but it's just going to get harder to make it. Because the world is harsh and hateful and will give you false hope. Like the thought of if I just find the right church with the right pastor, I'll have a right standing with God. Instead of realizing you need to find Jesus, make him the ruler of everything and he'll take care of the rest of it. You need to stop putting so much emphasis on yourself and put your emphasis on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Worship him not other men in your life or yourself. God can take the work that you do, man. He can take the work that you do and make it last. He can sustain you. 
He can make you feel safe. What a safe home is when a husband loves Jesus. Ladies, ask God to be your, not only your savior, but your sustainer and your, your safety. And let God send a man to fill in the rest of the gaps in your life. Oh, Father. Next week is important for us, Father. I, I believe that it's the closing, the culmination of a six months worth of word of God and Spirit's movement. You've moved in this church. You moved in and out of it. And I believe next week is important. I don't care that it's a holiday. Sunday's a holy day. We need to hear from you Sunday, Father. Prepare our hearts throughout the week for what you have. We love you so, and the sound of that baby is so awesome. It just gives me joy that there might be children in here, in this room, that might trust Jesus Christ to not just be their Savior, but be their King. And they can feel safe as this baby feels safe today in the arms of a loving mother. We love you. We need you, Jesus. Encourage us as we leave this place. And Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming today, guys. Hope you have a great day. Please don't forget your children. After that message, I feel like we need to exalt Jesus one more time. So we're going to go ahead and sing I Will Exalt one more time. If y'all want to stay and worship with us, you're welcome to.
exalt you, oh we exalt you, our most high King. There will be no 